Hello, I'm Mariette Sneijman. Welcome to Calm, Clear and Helpful, a weekly podcast series on how to take good care of yourself and others. Today we're talking about helping couples boost their chances for natural fertility and conception. My guest is Karen Stein, counseling psychologist and hypnotherapist from Johannesburg. Hello, Karen, and welcome. Hello, Marie. Just to inform our listeners, at the end of our discussion, Karen will give us her three best tips on connecting into your body. And then it will be fun question time. Karen, many couples struggle to fall pregnant. And you have studied the fertile body method, a holistic approach which involves hypnosis and mind-body approaches for fertility. Could you please talk to us about it? That was a, a beautiful description of what the fertile body method is because it is a holistic way of working with couples who have fertility problems and it helps them to restore the body's natural balance and fertility. In the process, uh, the, the couple becomes educated and aware of all the internal and external factors that might affect their fertility and learn how to balance and manage those. Hypnosis is a very powerful and effective tool to work with to specifically help manage some of those internal factors of infertility. Could you please fill us in on hypnosis a little? Yes, hypnosis is a state of heightened attention. It's a trance-like state that is achieved when an individual experiences deep body relaxation, which allows them to bypass the conscious critical faculty of their mind and access that space that we call their subconscious wisdom or the, the subconscious mind. So hypnosis is a tool that we use in psychotherapy to help individuals connect to the resources, the memories, and the functions of the subconscious body. Become conscious of any blocks or problems that might be held within their space of their being. Release and shift that. How did you come to study the fertile body method? Well, as a psychologist and a hypnotherapy who works with pregnancy and birth and parenting, um, extending my work to include fertility was the next log logical step. However, in my practice, whenever I work with birth regressions or um, regressing back to the origin of the problem, it frequently brings us back to the veriest early, very earliest memories of um, coming into this world from conception right into birth. And I guess it's, it's one of the ways that I hope that I can work with parents or with couples and give the best possible start to their pregnancy and parenting journey. Yeah, so this has come from what you see in your practice That's and right. what you have perceived as, as often the original problem and if you work with parents now in this way, it could maybe uh, help their children or others benefit in future. Absolutely. Why do some couples find it 
difficult to conceive. I'm sure there are physical and mental and emotional and other causes. Well, we acknowledge that although there can be many medical reasons for particularly primary, secondary infertility and sub-infertility, in 15 to 20% of infertile cases, there are no apparent biological causes. So we can have no medical intervention that can heal or repair the problem to infertility. And this can be very difficult for potential parents to accept that there is no apparent reason why after six months or a year or 18 months of unprotected intercourse, they are unable to conceive. So we consider a variety of factors that contribute to infertility. And these could include physical factors like is, is the mother ovulating? Um, uh, is there a low sperm count? Does she struggle with polycystic ovaries? Maybe um, sexually transmitted diseases that could affect fertility or perhaps a, a question of being overweight or underweight. Um, quality of nutrition plays a role and the environmental toxins that can affect the hormonal system of the body is a factor to investigate. Drug and alcohol use, use of tobacco, too much or too little physical exercise, all of these could con contribute. We know that fertility may decline with age. It kind of peaks in the 20s and thereafter there's an expected decline. So is it a factor of age? And there may be problems within the couple relationship, um, issues with sexual intimacy or affection that can be addressed. Other internal factors might be negative attitudes, beliefs, fears, or anxiety that might block fertility on a deeper level. We look at what is happening in the person's emotional world. Perhaps they are processing a death or loss and their body is not focused on a state of procreation but on mourning and to respect the different processes of the body. And some of the mental and emotional factors will require a bit of deeper reflection and self-evaluation. And it might include working through past traumas, losses, perhaps miscarriages or stillbirths that they have experienced before, or looking at the health of the relationship and the true desire for the couple to bring a child into this world. I really believe that we need to honor the body's subconscious processes of defense that aim to protect the individual from harm. So if there were any real or imagined potential dangers for the mother to safely conceive, carry a baby to term, give birth to that baby and to parent. It is unlikely that the body will give permission to conceive. And it's important to uncover these subconscious blocks and shift or dissolve them through hypnosis interventions. So there really is a lot more to it than just looking at the physical condition of either the mum or the dad and say that this is a problem. That's right. And it is our knowledge of the subconscious mind and how it manages all the functions in the body, um, as well as the subconscious mind as being the storehouse of 
all of our experiences. This is the place where our fears and our anxieties and our values and beliefs, all of our memories are stored. And if there is something troubling or problematic in that space, it could be a real block for the individual. How does the fertile body method help to address these challenges? There are different components. We've got psychoeducation, we've got the therapeutic intervention, and the emotional support. In general, it helps individuals to just be more conscious about how their emotions and their actions affect their fertility and guide them as to where they should make changes in their life. So what would happen is individuals would need to learn how to connect back into their bodies. We can be mentalizing or um, uh, try to control things with our conscious minds way too often that we lose touch with being connected to our body, sensing, feeling, and um, establishing that communication with the deepest part of ourselves. Individuals will learn to reduce stress and anxiety because we know that these affect the physical state of the body and will be taught how to intentionally increase feelings of calm and relaxation. We spoke about the unhealthy beliefs that can be uncovered through hypnosis and we find that at the root of fear and anxiety are these unhealthy beliefs. Could you give an example of that? Um, I, I remember having one mother who believed that if she were to give birth to her baby, her baby would be deaf because her brother was born deaf. And it could be an irrational belief, but that belief could be so strong. And maybe I can share here an experience that really taught me the power of our subconscious beliefs in blocking fertility. One of my clients, she was a young woman in the prime of her fertility, struggling to conceive, even on fertility treatments, struggling to conceive, unexplained fertility. There's no physical reason why she shouldn't be able to conceive. In hypnosis, we uncovered the block. That took us back to her teenage years, where she was starting to explore sexuality and becoming adventurous. And her mother was worried for her health and safety. But she threatened her and said, if you bring shame on our family by having a teenage pregnancy, uh, we will never forgive you for this. You will ruin your life. This will be the worst thing that could ever happen. She accepted that threat is real. And she made a promise that she will not fall pregnant and bring shame on her family. However, the lack of specificity of that problem held even after the fact that she was married and she could very safely, legitimately bring babies into the world and it would be a joyous occasion. But that belief was never challenged or changed and it held fast. And it was until she could uncover that and reframe that and remove that block that she could proceed. And she managed to have a healthy pregnancy conception that she carried to term and gave birth to a healthy baby. That's amazing. 
Now you talk about individuals. I suppose you mostly see couples or do you also see individuals? And at what stage do they come to you for help? I would advise uh, both of the couple, if it's a couple relationship, to be part of the fertility journey. Um, we have male and female infertility that we need to understand. Uh, we know that stress affects both male and female fertility, um, that we want to ensure that both are in the best possible fertile state to conceive. We also know that very frequently the couple relationship and unresolved fears or very vague plans for the future, whatever dynamic it is about the couple relationship could be a potential block to the fertility. So for the couple to work together uh, on removing some of these blocks and problem solving, that could be advised. And there is a misperception that fertility is the woman's problem and it is something that she needs to fix or to repair. So I definitely want to challenge that. The woman lives within a system and it is the health of the system and her well-being within that system that will determine whether it is safe and okay for her to conceive and bring a baby into this world. And of course, the father or the, the spouse is a very important party in this leg of the journey. Now, I normally see people at different times and for different reasons within the fertility journey. It, some people are impatient and they come see me after six months of trying. They thought they're young, they should have conceived by now. Other friends had started trying for babies and they're already two months in. Why aren't they falling pregnant? And it, it, it's advisable at whichever point you feel uncomfortable and want to build confidence and tools that you enter. Um, other other parents or potential parents that I see are referred by their fertility specialists because they know and understand the value of hypnosis as an intervention that can enhance the chances of the fertility treatments. And particularly with IVF treatment, research indicates that hypnosis can enhance fertility or conception by 50% if it is done alongside the fertility treatments. So the specialists who know and understand the value of hypnosis might refer. I then also see couples or mothers who unfortunately suffered a miscarriage or a stillbirth and need to process and work through the loss in order to be ready to emotionally again face, welcome a baby into the world. If a couple comes to you, what does the first session or the first few sessions involve? There are normally different stages to the fertility journey that are that cater towards the, the parent's unique problem and their specific needs. But a process would normally start off with a first session where the information is shared about the nature of the relationship and the problem. And um, gathering that information helps give us an idea of what is the best course of treatment. And very important, what are the goals of this intervention? Now, many people might believe if you come for um, fertility hypnosis intervention, that the goal is to conceive a baby and carry a healthy baby to term. 
And that is not a very good goal to have because that is not something that we can guarantee. And we want to create a sense that goals are smart, they are realistic, and they are achievable. So setting of the goals is a very important um, part of the process to help parents have a sense of empowerment, to help them have a sense of achievement, whether they conceive or don't conceive. There is so much that they can benefit from this process. So from there, we move on to the second stage of the intervention, which is about understanding all those internal and external factors that we talked about and seeing if we can restore balance. And there are different techniques that we will use, but psychoeducation is a very big one. Um, learning to make small changes and commitments in habits, routines, lifestyles might be involved. But what could also be required is just to stabilize the client and first build a bit of ego strength, developing all their inner resources to increase a sense of well-being. We know that infertility takes an emotional toll on the couple and is a, a financial and a physical commitment um, with many different consequences. So not to underestimate the value of that stability and balance that we bring into the individual's external life and their internal well-being. And from there, it's really about what the couple requires or the individual requires. It might involve working on resolving past traumas or issues um, that could be blocking fertility. These could be sexual or relational issues or the traumas or losses that they have suffered. It might be um, that we need to enhance fertility through working with, con with the conscious and the unconscious mind, using tools like visualization, guided imagery and mental rehearsal to connect to the ovaries, to the womb, to the uterus, to the hormones in a creative and a suggestive way. There's also a preparation stage, particularly if couples are preparing for fertility treatments or maybe preparing for the birth preparing for parenthood and all those stages, the more an individual understands how they will manage, what they will do, the better they are able to embrace the next stages that are to follow. And the final stage is one of support. Um, support to help the couple maintain the changes that they have decided to make. Um, emotional support when um, attempts at conception fail and perhaps end in miscarriage or stillbirth. And then we've also got that support when individuals need to make difficult decisions about the path forward when they realize that natural conception or even in vitro fertilization is not their pathway to parenthood. And to discuss all of these pathways to help individuals explore what are their limits? When will they know to stop trying is a very important part of that support. It sounds to me as if during this process you will put a lot of things on the table that is not ever discussed, you know, within a family group yeah. or between the members of a couple. Yeah. 
And it's that process of conscious and subconscious working together, of things that were unknown, bringing it to conscious awareness where we can make decisions about it, where we can redecide, where we can plan and get on board. And just as we need safe circumstances to bring a baby into this world, um, surrounding a couple with safety and a feeling of support and hopefulness is very important in those early stages of conception. Could you talk about the role of understanding fertility and following the fertility cycle? Yes, indeed. So when, when we think about how fertility is presented in the media or in the common narrative, things like ovulation kits and cycle charts um, and monitoring and keeping statistics and knowing the exact second and moment of your fertility kind of becomes synonymous with the fertility journey. I'm popping pills and this and that at all the different times. So understanding fertility and allowing a mother to follow the natural cycles of fertility in her body can an, um, be an amazing stress reliever. <laughs> and it helps for her to connect deeper into her body, to get a sense that she understands her unique cycle, um, what affects her cycle, and that she can monitor it and in a more natural way be able to judge what the most fertile time of her month or her cycle would be. Um, it also does wonders for the intimacy and the enjoyment of baby making when it is not too scripted or planned. So fertility awareness education offers more of a natural method that involves charting three primary fertility signs. Um, this is monitoring cervical mucus changes in the body, um, monitoring the physical changes in the cervix and measuring basal body temperature. And tracking these changes in the body gives the mum a sense of closeness and understanding and predictability. And it really helps to facilitate a positive relationship with her body. It sounds to me as if when a couple is in, in this process, they can also rely on each other's support and on your support. Um, because if one doesn't have the vocabulary to talk about these things, then it, it really Indeed. isolates you. Indeed. And we can see why support is such a big stage of the fertile body method. You once mentioned that couples who are open to the idea can also explore the spiritual side of their lives with you. That is right. So we know that beliefs are important and that they influence the subconscious processes in the body. Now, spiritual beliefs of the parents will also determine the nature of the work we can do. So depending on what they believe, it will give us the flexibility of where we can go with this. So some of what we may discuss now might be um, for file 13 to be reserved for later consideration but perhaps this is something that you are open to and ready to experience now when we talk about spiritual beliefs um we also talk about whether we believe in god sin punishment our essential worth as a human being what we think our sole purpose is or our journey in this life is about um and these, of course, are very important beliefs that could affect my worthiness to conceive and bring a baby into this world 
or my willingness to follow through with this. Uh, we also explore that element of the sacred contract between the parent and the child. So for parents who are open to it, this is something that authors like Walter McKitchen talks about in his book, Spirit Babies, or Sabon Fusomu in, in her book, Welcoming Spirit Home. But it recognizes that the, the journey of a spirit coming into the world and selecting a family and a body starts way before the parent's conscious desire to start trying for a baby. And parents aren't conscious of this contract that they made, but we do know from um, regressive hypnosis work that this is a conscious contract for the baby, that the baby selects the time and the place um, that it wants to come to, the body and the parents that it requires so that it will have the best possible opportunities to fulfill its life mission in this world. Not all people are open to, to this theorizing or this level of work, but for many it brings great comfort in thinking of the, the spiritual connection that they might have with this baby. And it opens up opportunities for considering things like, how can I make peace with the spirit of the baby after I had a termination or a miscarriage? How can I understand and make peace with the fact that I had a miscarriage or a stillbirth. What was the value of that experience for me and for that baby? And many authors who, who work in this field will give very valuable insights and contributions that allow with deep spiritual healing of the mothers. We might consider um, asking parents to be conscious about what they have signed up for as parents. If it was a, a job advertisement that they placed in the newspaper, what type of life are they offering this child? What is the family, the experiences that they will offer to this child and bring this child into? And to feel that they are also agents of this process of inviting a spirit to join their family and um, to come. It's such a wonderful invitation to spirit that we are ready to accept you when you are ready to come. Um, it gives peace in a sometimes seemingly uncontrollable process. So there is a lot of value to exploring the spiritual side of birthing. Another area where um, uh, the spiritual side of things, particularly spiritual contracts, are very relevant is in considering the option of adoption. Parents um, are very proud of the genetic heritage that they could offer. And somehow feel that unless they could conceive a child of their own, this child wouldn't truly belong to them or be theirs. And I would like to challenge that uh, from a spiritual perspective. I remember Wayne Dyer sharing the story of the twins who on their fourth birthday told their parents the twins were adopted. We are so happy that finally we are with you because we have been trying for years to come to you through your body and it didn't work and we had to find another way and finally we are here. So whether that spirit travels with the direct connection <laughs> into this life, into this family, 
But it has to take a couple of connecting stops before finally the spirit arrives at the intended destination. We know that that contract between parent and child is is a spiritual one and is sacred. Yes, it sounds to me that if people are open to this work, it should provide them with a lot of clarity and also with intimacy. Yes. Because if you could get your partner to open up about what they think in this regard and you yeah. could get to the same page, yeah. I think that, that really solidifies the relationship. Yes. And, you know, another aspect of spirituality for people who believe in past lives we know that particularly if a, a person suffered a traumatic death, that the death experience remains unprocessed and can be carried over as a traumatic experience that needs resolution in another life. And I've had colleagues who've seen this phenomena in their own work with infertility and their client's journey, where regressing to the path life we recognize a decision that was made on a, on a soul level, where if the mother or the baby uh, died during birth, the spirit makes a commitment that I am never going to endure such suffering again. And just like my client with her, her teenage curse, this curse could extend over lifetimes until we can bring it into awareness and dissolve it and reframe our spiritual commitment and connection to this life and our goals for ourselves. Can you tell us one of the success stories that you experienced in your practice? Well, success stories mean different things to different parents. I think ultimately it's about achieving those goals and feeling I've done what I can and I am enough. And I am looking forward to this process rather than feeling terrified about the potential loss I might experience. I think that is, that is my favorite success story of my clients. But I must say, still one of the earliest ones that I encountered that made a very big impression was the interesting nature of the subconscious blocks that could prohibit fertility. So um, how can we uncover and become conscious to be ready for a safe, easy conception and birth? I really like the way you reframe the word success story. So it depends on the couple and, and their goal. Yeah. Karen, where can people get more information about your work and specifically the fertile body method that you use? Uh, they are welcome to order the book written by Shani Hugo, The Fertile Body Method. Um, and I think it is even available in exclusives or estral books where you can read more. They are welcome to visit my website, www.freechildcompany.com, where I've also written a little bit more about the fertile body method. And your uh, website, the address, will also be linked to this podcast. Now, could you please give us your three best tips for connecting in your body? The first, allow yourself to be vulnerable by standing in front of a mirror in the nude, lovingly looking at yourself and appreciating what your body has been for you and done for you throughout your entire life. What happens if you accept yourself as you are and name 
five good things about your body. Secondly, I want to challenge you to take off your shoes and savor walking barefoot on the grass while enjoying the sensation of sunlight caressing your skin. This is not only good for your daily dose of vitamin D, but also for grounding yourself, uh, connecting to your senses and bringing out that playful part of yourself. And lastly, become curious about what you feel. And if you could locate feeling in the body, where would it be? What would its color, its shape, its texture, or its weight be? And if you tune into this feeling, can you recognize your feeling as a valuable communication deep from within yourself that deserves to be there and to be understood? Thank you. I think my fun question is connected to that last one. And it is, if you were a color, which one would it be and why? Oh, that's a difficult one because I love color. <laughs> my house is filled with color. My wardrobe is filled with color. I think my, my color of the month is yellow. I connect to the, the extroversion and the vibrancy. And perhaps it is appropriate that we just come out of summer, that we just come out of a year of, of lockdown and isolation and about the appreciation of finding joy and vitality in surrounding ourselves with beautiful color. I think yellow for me is similar to gold, which is a color of divine protection. And one of my favorite visualization techniques to use to imagine myself being surrounded in a bubble of golden light where I am safe, guided and protected. Thank you, Karen, for your time and for your energy. To our listeners, thank you for listening. If you found this episode helpful, please share it with someone you care about. I'd really appreciate it if you would rate and review Calm, Clear and Helpful where you download your podcasts. Calm, Clear and Helpful is compiled, hosted and edited by me, Mariette Sneeman, and the music is by Mart-Marie Sneeman. Catch you next Tuesday at 9 